Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and today is episode 80 of the podcast. I sit down with Jason Jimenez. Jason wrote a brand new piece called Challenging Conversations, and he goes on to talk about how important it is to reject a person's stance without rejecting the person, right? It's really all about this idea of how do we have difficult conversations? And in the world that we live in today, this has never felt more on point. Some of the things that I love about Jason is the way he talks about our goal as the advocator to relate, investigate, and translate. So many good things. Uh, Jason's doing tremendous ministry. I know you're going to love this conversation. If you do love it, one of the things you can do for me is leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help get the word out about what God is doing in our ministry. And I thank you so much for sharing the podcast. And uh, I know so many of you have shared episodes with friends. It just means the absolute world. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Jason. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to just uh, today to have Jason Jimenez with me to, and his new book, Challenging Conversations, A Practical Guide to Discuss Controversial Topics in the Church. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Tony, thank you for having me. I look forward to our, our discussion. Yeah, we. I mean, uh, true uh, true confessions here. We were actually already talking for 30 minutes and then we looked down and was like, somebody should press record. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I didn't get asked. So your, your listeners, I mean, just telling you guys, we had a great conversation. Hopefully this <laughs> yeah. one will be better than the first one. Uh, okay, so, so let me ask, what makes somebody jump into the topic that everybody else wants to avoid, which is challenging conversations? How, how did you get called to this ministry? Well, that's a great question. And the bottom line is it came down to looking at how miserable Christians were being when it comes, Tony, to having difficult conversations, anything that's controversial, mm. anything that would be remotely considered to be taboo, if you will. We have done a good job, and I don't, and I mean that sarcastically, um, with sweeping these things under the rug or dismissing them. And to be honest, having working, you know, with a millennial generation since the mid nineties and raising Gen Z today, one of the things I hear with both generations is why can't Christians engage more of these difficult conversations instead of circular reasoning? The other thing is when you and I see that what community in the church, in the body of Christ, just like with you and me meeting for the first time, we instantly connect our desire to serve the Lord as pastors and getting God's truth out there, that's the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That's fellowship, and that unites us, and it strengthens our faith, quite honestly. So when, I, when, I've, when I've been noticing the lack of Christian community, the lack, and here's that classic word that we tend to overuse, accountability. Yeah. Um, but when, when that's not present in, in people's lives, and it, it, it affects them. And, and so then when you start tracing as to why that is, oh, here it is. People got into a disagreement. They got into an argument. Someone said something that offended them and they don't talk to them anymore. Mm -hmm. They were once a part of a small group and somebody had a liberal bent position and it offended somebody and it was awkward and they didn't know what to say. And this is not the place for that. Um, and, and so they dismissed that person, asked the person to leave or they themselves left. I mean, this is, and I'm sure many of your listeners can relate, un unfortunately. 
So there's a lot of woundedness. And so my efforts was not just to talk about a lot of these big topics today, politics, racism, divorce. Matter of fact, actually was one of the biggest requested things that people had asked to be in the book. Um, and I've toured and, and talked to well over a hundred pastors about this very topic. And, and so people were just all over the map when it came to their positions on divorce. So when I was noticing these things, Tony, I thought, okay, how can we help inform while at the same time transforming relationships? And so that's why we wrote the book. Yeah. And, and so, uh, if, if you haven't picked up your copy yet, I strongly recommend it. Um, because the way you wrote it is super practical, right? You kind of start with this broad overview and then you pick, um, uh, what is it like nine essentially nine. of the most controversial things that you could ever write about. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of curious as you, yeah, as you wrote this, you obviously didn't plan for it to come out during COVID. It takes this kind of book, especially takes a long time to put together. So, um, so how long did it take for you to put all this together and, and how much do you feel like it's the Lord kind of, uh, preparing you for this book to come out in the midst of what could be argued as the most divisive time in, in, in recent American history? Yeah. Well, again, it's, it is the Lord. And, and I think it's important for your listeners to understand for all of us is we're, we're empty vessels, right? Yeah. And the Bible says to be, for us to be, you know, that vessel of honor, to be sanctified and useful for the master, to be prepared for every good work. And so we, we knew that we were on the verge of developing some new projects. And so we had, again, literally, you know, on a whiteboard, tons of ideas and titles and concepts and looking at a lot of these issues. And my former mentor and friend and colleague, Dr. Norman Geiser, who passed away uh, over a year ago, he used to tell me, and me again, this is an individual who wrote over 130 books. And I remember one time over over a meal with him, he loved pizza. And I'm so I'm sure we're probably eating pizza at this time. And I asked him, I said, Dr. Geiser, you know, how do you just come out with a book? Like, cause you put out like two books a year and you mm. went it consecutively for decades. And a lot of the great minds today, you, you know, you, you tutor them, you, you are their professor, you know, you're their pastor, their mentor. And he says, and again, I quote, and it was as simple. He says, when I see a fire, I put it out. And that was in his mind. Yeah. <laughs> if he saw a problem in his mind, you know, in his way of seeing it in a metaphor, a fire, how can I put that fire out? And so it was interesting because as a writer, he saw, of course, we know he was one of the greatest defenders of the faith, but, but I like that metaphor. I like that analogy, if you will, because it was like, he's a firefighter. He's there to save lives. And so when, when, to your point, when I, when I'm seeing things on fire in a way in, in Christian community, a lack of critical thinking, the art of persuasion among Christians, I, I don't remember the last time I heard a Christian say, oh, I learned how to, you know, persuade people, whether it be through apologetics or something, of how to engage and reason with people in the culture I live in today. That's very rarely do you hear anybody hmm. say that, right? Um, and then not only that, but the flourishing of people's relationships. And so I said, you know, these these things are getting worse. And as I was praying and thinking about Dr. Geyser and about some some of these fires that I was already kind of seeing. And that's when I was praying and I just knew all of these ideas were great ideas and certainly something to pursue down the road. But then all of a sudden, boom, God uh, brought this 
before me. And um, my wife and I knew right away that this was what God wanted us to do. And it completely put aside months of work and, uh, on other projects. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, for the last two years, we've, we've been putting this together. And so um, the last year, I was writing it pretty much full-time every day. Wow. Now, what does diving into these topics, um, I mean, because this is not like light lifting, you know what I mean? This is like you're, you're power lifting some big topics, racism, politics, uh, sexuality, all the, all the things, right? If there's a hot button topic, it's, it's in the book. Um, I'm curious, what, what did that do to your heart in the process? How, how hard was it to, to dive into these topics every day? And, and uh, I mean, I mean, cause there's not like, there's not soft edges around these things. No. Well, and, and the other thing too, Tony, if I may, I, there's a lot of information out there from great people that you and I respect. Okay. YouTube's mm -hmm. podcasts, books, sermon series. I mean, go to right now media down, you know, watch all kinds of different series of stuff um, on things related to these controversial topics. However, what you don't see in the market today is, is not just giving people a padded answer. Like if somebody says this, this is how you respond. There's a time and place for that. You and I get that. And as an apologist, that's what I've tried to do. Equipping people say, okay, when they counter, or this is how you're to counter when this is the argument, or this is how they try to corner you and, and, and those type, those proper tactics. But when you look at a lot of this information regarding, like you said, things that go deep into mental illness, you know, substance abuse, porn addiction. So, you know, you have a classification of those in and of itself. And then from there you have premarital sex, you know, and then you look at homosexuality, transgenderism, divorce and remarriage. And so you have, really, if you will, things centered around those issues. And then you have abortion politics and racism. So what I did was I said, okay, look, if we want to take the top, if you will, 10 issues mm. and kind of put them together and not just address one in particular, but address multiple things from mental illness to politics, but then do it in a way to teach people, you know, we live in a Marvel world. Everybody has a Marvel character they love, you know, uh, I'm Captain America. Okay. I love Captain America. But so I wanted in a way though, when you look at scripture and you see superheroes, if you will, just using the the the, the phrase like Paul, the apostle um, and how he lived and, and how he gave up his life for people. And we know in John 15, 13, greater love is, is this and to lay down his life for another. And so we know that that's the, mm. the great virtue there of what Christ did. And we are to demonstrate that. So my, my, my idea Tony was not just to address these issues, but to do it in a way to say, can you guys picture yourself as an advocator? Mm. Okay. Of God's truth that you're like a superhero, because if you look at it, as Christians, we have the power of the Holy spirit in us, right? We have hope. We have eternal hope. We have God's truth. And so it's not just giving a response and moving on. And you made the case, but as an advocator, seeing yourself in, a, in, a, in, in, in the way that God sees us, the way that God has called us as we go out to do the Great Commission. So I, I thought that, you know, you don't see that out there. You have a lot of, you know, question and answer stuff without the relational side. And I wanted to bring that into the equation of each one of these topics and, and not just isolate it because 
so many people can go from one issue directly to the next because mm. in the same house they live in, they have somebody who's mentally ill and they have somebody who's same-sex attracted and then they have another kid who's, who's liberal bent and they're conservative. And so I wanted to give this practical guide because you and I know as pastors, we're seeing more and more families so divided on a lot of these issues and not just divided because they have disagreements, but the awkwardness or the unsettledness of not knowing how to respond to people who feel marginalized. And so that's what we wanted to provide in the book is the both and, and not just one over the other. Yeah. What I really appreciate is, is you talk about the, the personal walk in the spiritual walk as being um, like, this is, this is intentional disciple making, right? Like it's, it's the process of walking alongside someone where they are and then in the process, bringing them closer to Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that that probably scares the mess out of most Christians. If somebody is listening right now and they believe in Jesus and they're like, uh, but they're not sure about how to start these challenging conversations with people in their lives. What's the, I mean, what's the first step uh, after you buy the book? Well, that's a great, okay. So going back to what I said earlier and that, that I think Tony, you and I would be, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes when we do a lot of teaching, um, we, we get caught up in information yeah. overload, sure. right? I got the presentation. I got my YouTube stuff. I got my outline. You know, we're going to go from seven to eight thirty in the class. I want to follow it up with emails, checking on people, do a survey. And we give them the information they need without emboldening them first. We're good mm -hmm. at equipping. And so what I encourage your listeners and everybody who wants to be a part of this movement, and the movement is this, I want to be an advocator of God's truth. What does that look yeah. like? I want everybody to think about a pyramid. And this is, again, in, in the whole confusion of things, I wanted to go back to this pyramid. And that's why I spent an entire chapter giving them three effective traits to being a conversant Christian, which is that advocator of God's truth. What, but what we have to do is before, yeah, even if, like I said, you get the book, got the book. But when they go through that, I want people to say, God, help me to be an advocator. Now, in order to start becoming that advocator on the top, right, the top part of the pyramid, you have on the right and the left, you have what I call the aggressor and the avoider. Yeah. And what happens ultimately, as you know, in the flesh, we now we know in the spirit, when the Holy Spirit's moving on us, we're that advocator, right? right. We're the advocator. That's what I'm saying. We're like this Marvel character. <laughs> if people would just overcome their fear and let God use them, you would see that God has a tremendous ministry and a great impact you can have in the relationships around you. They don't have to have a podcast like you and write a book like me. They can minister to people beyond, if you will, their wildest dreams. So you got to focus yourself on that advocator. But in order to do that, you have to see yourself in the flesh saying, what is my default in the flesh? Mm. When, when, someone, when somebody comes at me or when I hear someone give a position that I believe is contrary to the Bible or clearly something I do not agree with. How do you respond? Do you respond? Do you speak down on them or do you speak it away? Do you, uh, are you condescending? Do you name call? Do you raise your voice or do you avoid it entirely and say, let's talk about something else. I don't want to talk about this because it makes me feel uncomfortable and you dodge it all the time, right? You beat around the bush. 
you never really get to it. Um, and, and, and I think if your listeners realize, okay, that is my default. I am an avoider. Most people are avoiders. Most people, anytime something gets loud and someone seems to be, um, very adamant, right. And maybe they've are pretty learned, um, and they're making the case and I, and the, the, and the Christian in the back is listening, thinking, oh man, I, I'm not that smart. I've never really studied this stuff and I don't want to make myself look like a fool. I'm just going to shut up and say nothing. And then after that, you're walking away with a friend like, well, you know, yeah, that person was wrong, blah, blah, here and there. And we, we, we do that a lot. We just yeah. avoid it because we don't want to be uncomfortable. So what I would say is, look, the book's going to make you feel uncomfortable because we talk about porn. We talk about things that are destroying lives. We talk about mental illness. We talk about people who feel marginalized. There's a lot of misnomers too. There's a lot of misconception is a better word that people have, Tony. And, and so my, one of my jobs I felt from the Lord to do during the writing of the book is to confront misinformation yeah, head on. And because if, again, if you're going to be a conversant Christian, you cannot base your arguments on assumption or hearsay, or I watched a five minute video. So we have to look at the facts. We have to look at what the Bible says. There's one of the quotes I say is it, in the end, it doesn't matter what your opinion is or what my opinion is. What matters is what God's word says. Right. And that's what I'm trying to do in these, in these, in these situations. Um, and so I want people to be an advocator, but in order to do that, you got to deny whether you're an aggressor or an avoider in order to become that advocator. So uh, this brings me to a really inter interesting place. Um, it brings me to the internet. <laughs> because, yeah, I, I heard you say avoider. And my initial thought was, I'd really like to push back on that because everyone I know on the internet is screaming at the top of their lungs uh, about different topics that they feel strongly about. And, and, and they're, they're important topics. I, I don't want to minimize the importance and their feelings are real. But what, what is the role of um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, as it pertains to challenging conversations or, or to be, to use your term, a conversant Christian? What's the role in Christianity on these topics in the internet? Okay, so that's a great question because, it, it, and I like you bringing it up, what we just talked about, because what we're what we're seeing in this case, Tony, is actually the same person who's expressing themselves differently depending on the platform. Yeah. So in person, I could be an avoider because again, it's 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 there's there's direct contact with an individual. Most people don't do well with that, like that interface interaction. Yeah. Uh, but on the internet, so let's say, for example, you felt compelled to put out your views on a particular issue regarding the debate tonight or whatever is happening during the week. Um, and, you know, something viral out there and, and you wanted to you put your thoughts together and somebody comments and tell you you're wrong. Now, first off, look, whether you're an aggressor or an avoider, nobody likes to be told that they're wrong. Now, here's what's interesting, though, with when it comes to the social media. So you're sitting there on your bed with your phone, you're comfortable and you're a little upset and you're going to express yourself, right? Because no one's like staring at you, challenging you not to do it, right? Pushing you not to do it. But then they're doing, but you do it. And then somebody comments on your post, which is your platform 
which is kind of like your domain, your property. Mm -hmm. So then you feel attacked, right? And that's the problem. What's happening with technology, especially on social media, people see it as a direct attack against them, but we're like, pause, hold on. First off, let's assume the tone was moderate. Okay. Little sassy, little disrespectful, kind of little out there. And the argumentation was not succinct, right? So a little over all over the map, kind of some generalizations, but overall they're making a good point and they're trying to convey something that they're are really disturbed about and they want their, you know, their Facebook friends to know about it. Right. And they don't only just stop there. They feed it onto Instagram and Twitter. Right. You know, of course, right. Yeah. Um, and, and so then there's pushback. Okay. And some people are rude and saying, well, this is why you're wrong. And then I love how people go find an article and then they put it in there. Like here, read this, you know what I mean? And then it goes back and forth. Um, okay. So the issue there is you're seeing that you're the one that put the post out there. Hmm. And I always remind people again, simple question. Why? A lot of times the most important thing is not the what, what was it that you posted? It's the, why did you post it in the first place? And then you say, why did you respond the way that you responded, you know, to these other people? So there's the, why you did in the first place. And then why did you respond that way? Now, if I tick somebody off, was that my intent first and foremost? If it was not my intent and then somebody responds and they're being rude to me and they're like demolishing my quote unquote argumentation and I look back at it and thinking, yeah, I was kind of, you know, not thinking it through a lot. You know, it's only a paragraph, you know, I could have done better. And so then in my comment section in the thread, I start responding more efficiently, right? And, and quoting some stuff and backing up and supporting it. Now, if the people want to have a proper, right, with proper decorum, right, but they want to have an open debate that's out there for the world to see, you and I know the tone has to match the substance. Yeah. The moment you can even be speaking truth but not speaking it in love, or you can show, quote unquote, all love and no truth. And so that's why it changes sometimes. You can have somebody who's an aggressor on social media and they're an avoider when it comes to face to face contact, right? And, and that's why you can have sometimes people who they won't say anything when something was brought up at church and then they go home and put it on Facebook. Right. And that's, that's a horrible way. I always, I try to tell people, listen, if you have an issue with someone resolving it on Facebook is not going to help. And I actually try to, um, persuade people not to do that. Yeah, I, I found that um, if I invite people to coffee, they almost never come. You, you know, it's just when, when we get into those kind of huge debates on Facebook or someone disagrees with a post that, you know, and, and they just I'm like, well, hey, you know, maybe the best thing for us to do is just go grab a cup of coffee and talk through it. And I can show you where I got it from and you can in scripture and you can show me where you got it from in scripture. And then, you know, we end up never actually coming to that meeting. Um which, you know, that's, that's life, right? It's, it's, and that's okay. It, it's okay. Um, I, you use the word advocator, uh, d define that for me in, in the way that, uh, from the Christian sense, cause I, I think that there's a big, um, push in, in, in the book to become an advocator, which I think is a valuable term as opposed to an instigator or an aggressor or an avoider, the, the words on the other side of the triangle, how would you describe an advocator and, and kind of uh, 
Uh, wh- where do you see that in scripture? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. So number one, you and I know the advocate that we have is Christ himself in first John chapter two, verse two. So we're not playing sure. God here. We're not the mediator. First Timothy chapter two, verse five. So when you, when you look at the dictionary, an advocate is somebody who's standing up for someone, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And that's exactly what I wanted people to envision. Listen, when you walk into a conversation with somebody that you disagree with, I want to advocate, I want to be an advocate for them right? Meaning I want to be with them. But ultimately what matters the most is that I represent God's truth in that relationship, in that situation, in that conversation. And so an advocator of God's truth is someone who God as a vessel, mm. you know, Paul uses the term, we're ambassadors of Christ in second right. chapter five. So in our language today, in our culture today, Tony, it was, it was a way of conveying that we want to avo- be an advocate for truth. We want to be an advocate for freedom. We want to be an advocate for justice. We, we're, we're, we are, as Christians, advocates of that. Because we ultimately, now in the role in the Great Commission, are to be an advocator of taking the truth that we know that comes from Christ and disseminating that in the world. And mm. so there will be many conversations, quite frankly, a lot more could be had if we're willing to have them with people who disagree with us. And so an advocator is someone who's willing to be in that situation, no matter how uncomfortable it is to speak the truth of God in that conversation. So that's what it means to me, not just obviously in the dictionary, but, but, but why I place that term over um, the, the people reading the book, because that's the other thing is I didn't, I think we read a lot of books that, again, you know, good, good. They give good counsel, good story, kind of good overview, kind of bullet points, practical steps, you know, or, you know, how do you respond when someone says you could be gay and Christian, for example, and then they give you 10 pages as to why that is right or wrong or whatever the case may be, depending on what book you're reading, whatever source it is. But what I also feel that's important is, again, as a Christian, is being someone that God has placed in your sphere of influence for a reason. So it goes far beyond, you know, a lot of Christians who just, again, who want to be smart, they want to learn how to respond to these things and they do nothing with it. So you've always heard the, the terminology about being a sponge. You know, we there's a lot of Christians that, that go to church regularly and they learn from us and they soak it up and they buy all the books and they go, they sign up for the conference, the first one to sign up for the conference. And then you ask them each year when the, in the beginning of the year, it's January 2nd, you're saying, okay, it's a new year now. How many souls did you lead to Christ last year? How many people did you have come over to your house? How many prayer gatherings did you have? You know, whatever the questions may be, but it's centered around their spiritual maturity, their development. And yeah. it's sad to say uh, the vast majority of people, they got a book on their shelf that they never read. And that's why for me, I want people to not just see themselves as a reader, but as an advocator of God's truth that no, you were supposed to respond in those, in those situations, because those are times when God moves if you let him, because we're his hands and feet, according to Romans chapter 15. So that, that's what it means. So uh, I'm going to get super practical here. And honestly, I don't remember uh, before we started recording, did, did you say that you had kids? Yeah, four kids. Four kids. How old are they? 17, 16, 11, and nine. Okay. So God bless you, brother. <laughs> I got three and I feel like the zone defense is working okay most of the time, but mine are younger, right? So I'm not, I'm not quite there. 
what I'm really interested in is if you could give me some practical examples of how you're an advocator with your kids. Because I think that that teenage, those teenage years are probably the years that if, if someone is going to fall away from uh, a relationship with the Lord, or if they're going to go off the deep end, it's probably going to happen in those years where high school is coming at them hot and college is coming at them hot and all those things. H- how do you and your wife practically uh, be an advocator for your kids? So one is we intercede for them every day. So we pray for our family um, as a couple individually and also as a couple we 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 talk about it we bring up issues together we do now and i know um how family devotions can go that terminology read, read all the classic books even from john josh mcdowell remember about family devotions and get a book out and you know and you're trying to do this stuff with the family I, i've never my thing's about being with with my kids is about family time not having family devotions so with family time is engaging them randomly bringing up a topic. Um, since they were they were young, we've encouraged all of our kids. And I, and I do this because I, I'm dyslexic and I have a reading di- problem when I was a kid and felt stupid and, and like a loser. And so I, I just always felt when I had kids, I want to make reading fun and engaging something that they enjoy a hobby. And so thankfully, all four of my kids from my 17-year-old all the way down to my almost 10-year-old they all love reading. Now they all like to read different things, right? And they're different ages and different genders. But that's another thing is we we have encouraged reading because good thinkers and good leaders are readers. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I I give them books that I've read. So the older my kids get, there's certain books I give them. But when it come, goes back to kind of family devotions, we use your you version. Um, so we we rotate. So it starts with me, then my wife, then my oldest down down the line of people picking plans to go through and we comment on the app together. You know, we pray every night, you know, even when I'm traveling as best I can with what time zone I'm in, we pray with, with our family. Uh, my wife and I regularly date our kids. We take them out individually and spend time with them. Uh, through the years, I've taken my kids, uh, especially my older two with me on, on the road to engage, see what I do, uh, being vulnerable, transparent. Uh, we, have through the years gone to abortion mills, um, being out there as an, again, as an advocator, you know, for that unborn child and for that, for that, uh, mother who is, is making a horrible decision, um, for whatever reason to try to be there to, to save that life and to share the gospel. So my son, for example, my oldest who's 17, you know, Tyler, he's seen me get chewed out. You know, he's seen people step up to me, um, call me all kinds of names. You know, he's seen vile practices, unfortunately, but at the same time, this is the world we live in. We live in a fallen world, but seeing how I respond as an advocator in that situation, that it's not about me losing my cool. It's, it's conveying the love of God, right. To this person being the hands and feet of Jesus, or as my pastor likes to tell us at our church, you know, we need to be Jesus with flesh on. We need to be there to love these people. So we do a lot of those things with our kids. And again, uh, we also, and maybe this is something your listeners can, can apply to their own family life. We have a mission statement, which is an acronym. It's called love L O V E L stands for laugh. So we laugh with our kids, have fun with Mm -hmm. them. O is to be open. So it starts with me as a spiritual leader to be vulnerable, to talk about things with them. V is value one another always, let them know um, 
how thankful we are and what they bring to the table, that we are a unit together as a family and find ways for them to serve um, outside the home, but it starts in the home. And then E is for, is it stands for encourage. So we look to encourage them every single day, because if there's one thing that you and I know, we have to always affirm and encourage because we are as human beings in our fallen state are very destructive people are very broken people. And, and so when, when our kids are hurting, we have to be there for them. And so now what we've done on having said all that, Tony, my wife and I just felt early on and with a strain of ministry and you can relate, we wanted to make sure that her primary responsibility was not to focus on a second income, but to be there for the kids. And that's what she wanted to do. That's what she told me when we were dating over 20 some odd years ago. And, um, and thankfully since the 20 years we've been married, you know, she, her, her job, full-time job is to take care of the home and the kids. Cause we got four kids. They got practices, as you know, school activities, you know, it just, it's a crazy thing, but she is there present with them when they're sick. That's her, that's her, that's her primary uh, responsibility. And I, you know, honestly, I've seen a huge difference. And when I've been out there traveling, doing my stuff, knowing that my wife is there with the children has given me great comfort through the years. And I know there's a lot of families who can't do that. Sure. Um, but, but I do believe, and I'm, I'm a huge advocate of this, that we have to look at our schedules and say, what can we get rid of to spend more time with our kids as a family? And well, I, I, I love the part. date. I love the date, your, uh, the date, your kid's idea. We, we do that as well. And, um, you know, the other part that I think is, is crucial and as we engage these conversations and as we engage our kids is what you talked about with you and your wife is, you, is it's really evident to me that you guys are on the same team. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I appreciate about the way that you've written this book is that it, it's really set up for the church to kind of regain some momentum mm-hmm. on what it means to be on the same team. Like, the, you know, like uh, Christianity is an identifier, and I think sometimes we forget that. Like, hey, that puts me and you. I mean, it's why we can talk for thirty minutes before we press record, because mm-hmm. uh, Jason and I are on the same team. Yeah, right. And we 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 have the same goals, and and yet one of the things that we talk uh, that you talk about in the book is the moral decline of the church, right? And and it, it almost feels to me like the team is breaking up. Um, h- how do we how do we reengage morality? in the body of Christ, which just feels like a horrible question to to ask. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah. And and I do in the introduction, I I think what was also important is I think sometimes we jump into the issue and we're looking to pop people's balloons or whatever the case may be, or, you know, um, you know, pick on people, put them down, prove them wrong. Mm. You know, come, you know, one of the phrases I use, you know, guns a blazing that you hear a lot, but we, 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 we have that mentality sometimes like I'm going to set the pastor straight and I'm going <laughs> to set you straight on Facebook and I'm going right. to really tell you how I feel. I'm going to put a YouTube video out about you. Uh, we always you say know, we're coming in hot. I'm coming yeah, in hot. Coming in, yeah. Coming in hot, you know, and, and it is, it's, it's true. It, it's, you know, people, um, I, I think it's it's not a sign necessarily always of anger, but of insecurity, but it certainly um, gives heed to anger. And we know that an angry man does foolish things, says foolish things. And and um, so so when we know all that, but what I wanted to do in the introduction is to focus on how we've gotten to this place, Tony. And, and what has happened is we are not consecrated. 
See, that's where really where it starts. And if you look through the course of history with how people related to God, they either wanted to worship him, know him better, obey him, follow him, or not disobey him. And of course, we know, choose this day, he says, life or death, and there's going to be consequences. So I think now we are definitely in, in 2020, we are seeing a massive decline because people want to do what they want to do. Yeah. And how you say, well, you think, hey, how do, how do we turn this around? Well, it starts with you and me. And and not only that, but saying, you know what? I mean, when was the last time people go around saying, hey, I've noticed how you treat your kids or talk down at them. And I, I'd really just want to put myself out there. My wife and I would love to meet with you guys if you need to be discipled. Mm. Because you can tell there's a level of immaturity. Um, so certainly based on Titus chapter two, we need older men and older women who are godly and mature to come alongside and to help people. Now, that's not just saying in in an actual age. That's talking about spiritual maturity. And certainly, yes, with age and with experience. Sure. But you know what? The the what I would say overall is Christians who are walking fervently before God, who fear him, we need to be praying for the outpouring of God's spirit to fall on people who have been taking his word for granted. Hmm. talking about the death and burial of resurrection, but they like to worship, to, to, they like to, they like to sing songs of worship. That's reflective of how God loves them hmm. rather than focusing on, on the triune Godhead, right. And how glorious and magnificent and powerful and splendid he is. So we have to focus on God, his will be done on earth as is in heaven and stop focusing on ourselves and dumbing down the Bible and, and not pursuing a holy relationship with him. Hmm. In the end, I don't know what that's going to look like a week, a month, a year, 10 years from now. But as, before Christ returns for his church, I'm praying that we would take it a lot more seriously. And, and, and that also, I say, what can we do? Guess what? Open your home. Start having some. My wife and I just recently had a prayer gathering with people. And, uh, and that was it. They're, you know, they're like, well, should we bring something? We're like, we're not. That's not the purpose of why we're getting together. We're just <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not here for the casserole. <laughs> yeah. But that's the tendency. People are like, okay, well, we'll pray, and then do you want to have coffee afterwards? And I'll bring a dessert or something. I'm like, no, that's we're just going to come. We're going to sit. We're going to we're going to have communion. We're going to pray. Well, what's the agenda? There is no agenda other than prayer. So if you want to pray about something about your marriage or your church or your community, and it was refreshing. And because Americans, we like there's got to be a stop. We got it. There's got to be a stop. So, cause I got to go binge watch something on Netflix when I get home. And it, and it's like you, I think that also has placated itself to the point where we're seeing there's a lack of desire. And every time before you see a revival come there, there starts being a hunger for God and for his truth. When you look at the book of Amos and the law was being spoken to them that they had neglected and forgotten and they discovered it and people were repenting over it. And I'm thinking, you know, Tony, think about the access we have to the Bible. We can get the Bible in an instant on multiple devices with different translations with all these free commentaries, and we just take it for granted. And I think that's another level is I think we have to repent. So even with the superior knowledge that we have access to academically and the scholarship that we have, that's 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 so, so beyond my comprehension of how much material is out there, we're the most ignorant at the same mm. time. And, and what a, what an oxymoron if you think about it, right? I mean, it's so strange to me. And so I think at that same time we have to, and I think COVID has done that. COVID has reminded us that we're human, that we're fallible, that we don't have it all together. 
and God is in control and we need to turn to him and, and strip a, and, and strip the idols uh, that we have, we have come accustomed to. Right. And I think that that's going to be a part of it as well as a cleansing uh, before we can get right with God. Uh, I love it. Uh, I love the approach. I love it's, it's simple, but not easy. And it's, it's just so scriptural that it, it makes sense that this is what God is calling us to. Um, uh, Jason, I, I know that my lead, my, my listeners are going to want to connect with you all over the interwebs. Uh, what's the best place for them to pick up a copy of the book and to learn more about the ministry that, that God has called you to all over the, the country? Well, they can go to our main site, which is standstrongministries.org. And that's all the information, articles there, videos, other books that I've written. Um, they can they can uh, see right there on the banner. They can click on Challenging Conversations banner, which you know shows them where they can purchase the book. We also are, when the, when the book comes out October 27th, we're also going to be having a website. It's already up, but we'll be posting videos shortly. That's challengingconversations.org. And you can go there too with all the different outlets of where they can get the book. That's great. What about you? Are uh, any social media outlets for you? Are you doing the Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, they can they can check me out on Facebook and, and Instagram. Jason middle initial is P as in Philip. Jason P Jimenez. That's not with an H, that's with a J. J I M E N E Z. Um, and they can go even check me out on YouTube, Jason P Jimenez, a YouTube channel there as well. Oh, that's great. That's great. And we'll link to all that in the show notes. Make sure everybody gets a copy of it. Uh, okay, the la- last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, but you have to give yourself the advice. Okay. And so uh, I want to take you back to two years ago when God first put this book on your heart. And and you kind of shared a little bit about that story with me and, and how it was kind of a different shift that happened uh, pretty quick. And, you know, you even threw away old work. So if you, if you were going to go back and talk to the younger version of yourself, about what this book would become and um, and really about when it would come out, what is the one thing that you would tell yourself? Well, I, let me just, put, I'll put it this way. And I, I like that question. It's, that's very intriguing to me. And you put me on the spot there, Tony. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. And I normally don't talk to myself. So this will be, it's just, so I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm talking to myself. So <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, honestly, what I would actually the piece of advice that I tell myself two years ago um, is to buy certain stock. No, I'm teasing. No, it, <laughs> Every, you know, everybody, yeah. I've asked that question several times and everyone's like, Zoom, buy stock in Zoom. Buy, yeah, buy Zoom. Uh, what is Zoom? Um, yeah, like mirror back to the future, you know, go back to to get the the scoreboards, you know, so you know, you know how to, you can do the gambling. Yeah. Uh, no, what I would actually do is immediately tell myself, get a prayer group together. Hmm. Um knowing what I know now, because I do, I do think that you had asked something and I don't know if I did a, a, a good job responding to it. Um, but it, it's, it's triggered it now. What happened when I was going through the writing, I went through depression. I went, in, I slipped into depression and, um, and that's why I say the prayer group, because as a pastor doing this stuff for long enough, we're not invincible. Yeah. And this uh, you know, this is my seventh book that I've written, and it's certainly no pun intended, the most challenging book that I've ever written. And I think because of two reasons, obviously with the with the topics that are linked to the demonic activity. And um, I myself had struggled with porn addiction in, in in my life, and I wrote a chapter on that. Um, when it came to the substance abuse, I had to go through the line of family members who 
are are alcoholics and having to relive some of that kind of stuff. A lot of them are good stories, but a lot of them are bad stories. So I'm kind of reliving that stuff. The first chapter in the book, you know, or the second chapter, but the first controversial topic is mental illness and suicide. And just last month, I had to do the funeral of a good friend of mine who was a professor at UNC Wilmington, Dr. Mike Adams, who took his life. Mm. And so I would tell myself to prepare for spiritual warfare. So you need a prayer group because you're going to go through a lot of tough days and hard times with the, with the material that you're going to go through. And I went into a depression because it, at the end of the day, it's I wasn't depressed because I didn't know how to write necessarily or struggling through things. And yes, that's certainly anybody who's a writer, you know, uh, full time knows that you have your days where you just want to give up. Um, but, but I went into depression because it was almost God peeling back in a way of how distraught and messed up his people are. And, uh, and it's not, and again, I love, you know, um, the Barna group and, you know, Dave and those guys are buddies. Um, and I appreciate so much of the work, but I think what happens sometimes is we look at stats. We don't look at people. We don't hear the story. And that's what I was doing. And if you, if your readers, when your readers start reading the book, you know, we open up with real life stories in each chapter, because that was the other thing, Tony, is I didn't want to just give a response and then just say, you know, here's a technique of how to engage uh, with people in your life with this particular controversial topic. I wanted to talk about what I've gone through, what I've experienced. And so when I'm talking about a tough issue, I'm not just coming to you as an expert. I'm coming to you as a friend, as a person who, who has battled porn addiction, who has suffered with depression, um, you know, who's, who have had friends who committed suicide, who has a family member who left her husband and is married to a woman. And I don't talk to her anymore because she doesn't want to have anything to do with me. This is real life stuff. Yeah. So being an advocate of God's truth, you're not going to win everybody over. Jesus eventually was crucified. Paul was eventually beheaded. So we will, we, we will not be able, we will, you and I know we will not convert everybody Yeah. and everyone's going to, going to listen to us. And, and so I would tell myself, prepare for this. And so in order to get through it, I think that I needed to rely on more people to pray for me than I was. Uh, it's beautiful. That's, uh, and, and, you know, that's probably a good reminder that uh, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're walking with the Lord and then you're, you're going to need some help. You can't do it by yourself for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. Uh, what a, what a fun conversation. And I, I look forward to seeing uh, how God is going to use this book and how God is going to continue to use you. And um, man, it, it was just a lot of fun. So thank you. Well, thank you, Tony. Appreciate you and, and you pastoring your people and standing strong and being that advocate of God's truth. So hopefully the book can be a great resource for you, your ministry, and your listeners. What an amazing conversation with Jason. I know that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I really appreciated the way he talked about tone and how tone has to match the substance and how we can reject a person's stance without rejecting the person. Such important stuff, especially in the day and age that we live in, because it is so critical to have these difficult conversations with the people that we live and do life with. Do me a favor, pick up a copy of Jason's new book, follow him on the socials, connect with him, let him know how much you appreciate seeing him on the podcast. Also, don't forget, share this episode, leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It makes a huge difference. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much 
for being a part of our community. And I can't wait to connect with you guys next week.